We talked a little bit last week about Zechariah and his song of faith and how even in silence, even when we don't see God at work, even when we've waited a whole lifetime for God to work, God is at work doing mighty things. Today we come to another of the songs of Advent. Now, these are passages of scripture that have been turned into canticles throughout the life of the church. And we'll hear more about the angel song to the shepherds later on and Simeon's song at seeing the baby Jesus and how he had waited his whole lifetime to see salvation come. Today we talk about Mary. We all travel at Christmas at least somewhere, even if it's just across town. Some of us go over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house, right? We pack our bags, we get the presents ready ahead of time, we get the food ready and hope and pray that it doesn't spill in the car floorboard on the way. At least I do. I always tend to make something that's messy and, it, and I pray the whole way that it's not going to spill. We, we prepare ourselves mentally to either be away from home or to have the whole clan come and land at our house. Mary and Joseph took a journey to Bethlehem. It was time for the census. It was time for there to be an account, and, and they loaded up their provisions, which I'm sure were probably not very many, and they took their journey to Bethlehem. We've talked about that journey before in Scripture and in study and in sermons before, but today I want to talk about the journey that Mary took, one that only she could take with God. One that she took in her heart and in her mind and in her soul. You see, Mary, as a teenager, I can't imagine this um, for a grown woman, much less for a teenager, but as a teenager, an angel came to her and told her that she was going to be the mother of the Savior of the world, of the Messiah. That had to bring a great deal of anxiety. We, we love to hear about babies coming into the world and, and we love to embrace that. We throw a baby shower, we, we do all sorts of things, but how daunting must it have been for Mary, engaged but not yet married, in this community that could have under those circumstances stoned her? Joseph could have left her without any remorse, without any scorn. She was probably scandalized, talked about. You know the whispers that happen. But she held steady. With an anxiety, I'm sure, that she felt at first and may have ventured back and forth to throughout this journey, Mary became a passenger along a journey for a life that she hadn't planned. There's some, some phrases we're going to look at this morning, and the first is the anxiety of the unknown. Y'all say that with me. The anxiety of the unknown. You ever been anxious about something you didn't know that was laying ahead? Something you didn't expect and probably didn't want? 
When Mary first encountered the angel, Scripture tells us she was greatly troubled. I would imagine so. We lose reality behind the story, often in the picturesque nativity scenes and, and precious songs about, you know, Mary, did you know? And, and they're wonderful songs, and, they're, and I wonder, did she know? But there's an innocence in those songs that is probably missed in our understanding. Mary probably just wanted a nice, normal life. Married to her soon-to-be carpenter husband, she, she probably would have had no reason to ever want to hurt her parents or her community, and yet, when she came to her parents and told them her news, that the angel of the Lord had come and told her, she had to wonder, are their hearts going to sink? Are they going to be disappointed in me? What are they going to think? Are they going to believe me? On old maps, cartographers would draw lands that they knew. But when it got to the edge of a land that they didn't know and the boundaries were unknown, they would call that dragon territory or terra incognito, a mysterious land or land unknown. Mary found herself in dragon territory. Anybody ever been there? I have. I have lots of times. She was in uncharted waters. She was here experiencing a life that was supposed to be all laid out for her. The arrangements had been made for her to marry Joseph. They probably dreamed about the children they would have and the life that they would live. And everything was in place. But Mary, though she was at this point of anxiety, anxiety of the what? Unknown. She didn't stay there. Mary embraced the call that God had given her. She accepted the call. So the second phase I want you to remember is accepting the call. So say it. Okay, I'm I'm with Brooke. Y'all aren't quite awake yet. Okay, the first one was anxiety of the unknown. The second one, accepting the call. Good job. Good job. So we look at this journey that Mary took. And and about verse 38, after more dialogue with the angel happens, and we're going to read that scripture in just a minute, she says, may it be to me as you have said. Now when God calls us out to do something, how many of us stop and get on our knees and say, may it be to me as you have said. Perhaps you're in a meeting and you throw out an idea and your staff and your co-workers look at you and they say, okay, have it your way. You're not going to be real enthusiastic about moving forward. Or perhaps you and your spouse or your date are going out to a movie And you can't quite make up your mind about what you're going to see. And one finally says, have it your way. Just go ahead. I give. You're not going to be real enthusiastic about that night. But Mary, she accepted it. She said, may it be to me, as you have said, Lord. 
Sometimes God calls us to things. Ed Rowell is a pastor, and when he was called to ministry to serve in the church, the first thing he did was he said, but God, I wanted a nice large paycheck. I'm a Baptist pastor. That doesn't happen in the Baptist church. I wanted a, a big house for my family and nice cars and lavish vacations. And he sat down with his wife, Susan, and she said, don't you trust what God has in store for you? Because God has come to me too. And he's going to pay us in ways that we cannot imagine. And so they stepped forward and they trusted. God desires our obedience. But we can't be obedient until we accept the call that he's placed on our lives. Amen? For Mary and Joseph, I imagine for Joseph too, this was not the life he had planned. But they were accepting the call. Embracing the life as, as Jesus' parents. Now, parents, your babies don't come with instruction manuals, do they? Last I checked, the hospitals don't issue one of those. Mary and Joseph didn't have one of those. And I can't imagine what it's like to bring a child into the world without an instruction manual, but much less, you're responsible for the Messiah? I mean, what if you get it wrong? There's got to be a lot of trust in God in that aspect. But for Mary, the angel came and the angel's hope and trust in God conveyed the faith that she would need, the trust that she would need to go along with God's plans. And her heart was in it. It wasn't just an okay, have your way. It was, Lord, may it be as you've said. Well, we don't get the luxury of having her conversations afterwards, but I imagine there were many, many difficult conversations that she had to have about her pregnancy, about her bringing this child into the world, about the angel coming and telling her that this would be the child who would deliver God's people. We're going to see some images of Mary in just a few minutes as, as we go throughout more of this. The images of Mary often reveal different things about what we think she might feel. One of the most beautiful conversations she had was with Elizabeth. She'd had a lot of painful conversations, I imagine, with people she loved but who just didn't understand. You ever had a conversation with somebody you love who just didn't understand? That's hard. But somewhere along the way, God led her to Elizabeth. And when she met Elizabeth, instead of name-calling and instead of condemnation, Elizabeth said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. And John the Baptist, in Elizabeth's womb, leapt for joy at the very presence of his Savior. In what E. Stanley Jones, a Methodist uh, missionary and pastor, 
called the most revolutionary document in the history of the world, Mary said these words. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in in their inmost thoughts and has brought down rulers from their thrones. But he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors he would. The word of God for the people of God. She goes from praise in the first few verses to the ways that God has shown his favor upon her, to the ways that he will show favor to the world through the grace of his son, Jesus Christ, and to his chosen people. And all of a sudden, this new perspective, this new part of the journey causes her to just get it. And there's a joy that is inside Mary that comes from that anxiety and that acceptance and that transformation that comes with it into adoration of God. So we go from anxiety of the unknown to what? Accepting the call to adoring the Lord. Say that. Good job. Does it sound familiar? Have you had a dream that died somewhere along the way? Something that you firmly believed would be part of your life. Reality switched to something new. And God asked you to trust him. Your life isn't where it's supposed to be, according to your version of your autobiography. But God says, there's this path over here that I want you to take. It's dragon territory. But I promise you I'm there. And there's an incredible way waiting for you. Not just for you, but for the world around you. It's going to going to bring glory to me and to my people through all that I ask each of you to do. It's not where we want to stay is over here where things aren't working out and dreams are dead and, and, and it's not what we want life to be. It's a huge step. I love the scene in Indiana Jones where he's supposed to take the leap of faith And he's looking out at this big cavern and just a single rock will show him that there's a way. We got a rock to hold on to. His name is Jesus. And he shows us the way. What the world sees as a curse 
can in reality be a blessing. And despite the spiritual struggle that we encounter, despite the control that we want to have over our lives, despite all the struggles that we encounter, God is saying to us, trust me. And I want you to say to me, say these words of Mary with me. May it be to me as you have said. May it be to me as you have said. That's what he wants to hear. We can have a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of trust. Like that faith of a mustard seed. Just a speck. And if we give God that, he'll prove to us that we can take maybe a little bit further trust in him. And more, and more, and more. Isaiah 28:16 says that this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts in me will never be dismayed. I loved your devotional, Brooke. I loved that you shared that with me this morning from three years ago, how God was working then and how God continues to work now. Jesus says in John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. So let's assume that, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's assume that what you want to do is to please God. <clears throat> you may have been anxious about something he called you to, but you've accepted it. Is that a good enough place along the journey to stop? Or do we step forward and praise him? And if we do, how do we do that? Lee Strobel is a journalist who worked for the Chicago Tribune. He was a well-known atheist. Some of you may know this story. He was charged with following a family throughout the Christmas season, and so he met the Delgado family, who was an impoverished inner-city family. Perfecta is the grandmother, and 11-year-old Lydia and 13-year-old Jenny, her granddaughters who live with her. And when he met them, they had just received housing, and as he walked in... He saw bare rooms, nothing on the walls, dim and dark. The girls each owned one short-sleeved dress and a gray sweater between them. And on their walk to school, one girl would wear the coat halfway, take it off, and the other one would wear it the rest of the way. But they were happy. They were peaceful, and they knew love. And this family amazed him, and he wrote about them despite their poverty. Perfecta held her faith and trusted God. He completed his article, and it got a lot of press. Donations started coming in, but he didn't know that yet. It was a slow news day, and he thought, I'm going to go check on them. So he went over, and that's when he learned about the donations. And he went in. There was brand new furniture, there was painted walls, there were lamps and lights and closets full of clothes. 
And he just thought, wow, what a great city I live in. And the perfecta said, come here and help me. We're boxing this stuff up. And he said, wait a minute. You're doing what? And she said, you don't understand. This was Christmas Eve. She said, the greatest gift God could ever give me is the gift of his son, and I'm going to celebrate that tomorrow. But there are people who don't have anything today, and I want to give this away. They kept what they needed, but they gave tons of blessings away. It was their response that began to make him think, who is this child in the manger? That he can make a family live like this and be happy and who once had nothing to going to being blessed beyond measure only to give it away so that somebody else had a blessing. Perfecta shared with him Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Mary trusted the words of Jeremiah 29, 11. She had taken the words of the Shema. She had written God's promises in her heart. And filled with wonder that God would use her, a poor, young, teenage female, for an eternal purpose? If I could box it up and give all of you a gift that just allowed you to trust God like that, I would do it right now. I would have already done it and had the gifts waiting for you. I can't do that for you. Nobody could do it for me. It's a gift that I had to open, and when I did, my heart just overflowed. Because when you trust him, you get it. Roel wrote these words about his journey to becoming a pastor and about how Mary inspired him to trust. I want to share them with you. Everything I feared about being a pastor has come true. But what I didn't understand at the time was what incredible joy and satisfaction would come on the journey. I had no idea how fulfilling it would be to see people's lives changed forever on a regular basis. I've had a front row seat watching God perform miracles. I've seen angry, bitter people discover the healing power of forgiveness. I've seen hopeless marriages restored. I've seen the wealthy young rulers of the day discover more joy from giving away their money than they ever had in making it. I've seen people healed of diseases, and I've seen people with the same diseases discover the joy of the Lord in the midst of dying. As a fellow traveler, I want to tell you the next leg of the journey is better than the last, and someday you can be singing the same song of wonder that Mary sang.
God's going to interrupt your life. Did you know that? He's going to send you into dragon territory. And you're going to have, what was the first thing we talked about? Anxiety of the unknown. I should have a Starbucks gift card or something for whoever remembers this. I don't, but I should. The second thing was what? Accepting the call. Boy, more voices came up with the idea of a Starbucks gift card. I'll have to remember that. And the third one? Adoring the Lord. AAA keeps us safe on the road. Remember that. From anxiety of the unknown to accepting the call to adoration of the Lord. Mary took a journey, not just to Bethlehem, but Mary took a journey from anxiety to adoration that allowed her life to fulfill an eternal purpose for God and his plan for us. I'm so glad she trusted him. Will you trust him?